Hello, friends, and welcome to the fifth episode of From the Van. It's a podcast from my van where I have conversations with people who have relationships with residential vehicles. Today's episode features Molly Mandelberg. She's a marketing strategist, nomad, and all-around affable person. I met Molly slinging beers at a van life event. I talked to her for about 10 minutes before I invited her on the podcast. She's just that easy to talk to. So we're about to get into it. Uh, Just keep in mind that you can go to fromthevan.com or follow at fromthevan on Instagram to find all things from the van. From the van. I just had to say it one more time. Here comes episode five. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you for listening. Talk to me. How long have you been in a van? I've been living in a van for about a year, actually a year this week. Okay. I bought my van 14 months ago and uh-huh. I've been nomadic for 11 years. How does that work? So I used to travel around in a Subaru and I used to travel abroad in the winter mm-hmm. and I would live out of a backpack traveling around the world and then I would come back and live out of a Subaru or visiting friends and family. During the nice months? What, what kind of Subaru? Am I, am I a seeing Subaru like a legacy hatchback? Or? hatchback yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I had a bed in there but no kitchen or like livability really at all. And I would also like stay with friends and family. Once in a while I'd get a place. I think the longest I had my own apartment was five months when I lived in Austin in 2014, 13, wow. 2013. And you're, you appear to be young to me. So this is Thank like you. most of your adult life that yeah, you've just been so sort of like since college cruising around. Yeah, I'm thirty, yeah. I'm thirty-three. That's great. Yeah, but the van is a huge fucking upgrade. I hope I from can, just I, like duffel bags and from bedroll in the back of a Subaru and having a rocket box with all my shit in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, cooking yeah. on a camp stove if I could find a place secluded enough. And uh-huh. now I have a kitchen and a sink and giant queen-size bed that I love and all my stuff with me in storage yeah under my bed yeah yeah that's one of the one of the things that's been so intoxicating to me the reason I have such a small van is because I didn't anticipate enjoying living in a van mm-hmm. um but I wanted to do it yeah and so I got a van that was a size that like I could afford this payment and still keep my apartment or right whatever and then once it was done i like moved into the van and i was like fuck i should have got a bigger van you know because like <laughs> this is epic it's yeah. so much fun and like just a, being able to like um even if it's something as simple as like because i don't fuck around with like drinking and driving i'm drunk in the van a lot yeah but like the van hasn't been cranked for a while and it's not going to be cranked for a whole long time after that right but uh, like being able to go to little clusters of breweries and like live there that night yeah. or you know if I have friends I want to visit I just go and it's not an imposition for me to bring no, the dog you bring your guest house with you or whatever yeah yeah that's so cool um yeah. wait so so I already knew I liked living on the road and I already knew that being nomadic was my jam yeah so the van was really just like have an apartment now Molly like, so now you're a maximalist right <laughs> really yeah I upgraded everybody else is like oh what do I have to get rid of and all my sentimental and, objects and yeah. you're like oh and now I, I get, get to have get all my shit. stuff with me yeah <laughs> I, I get to shopping. keep it yeah exactly and I mean at a, at six years old I wanted to have like a rainbow school bus to live in with mm. a hammock and a kitchen and all this mm. stuff like I was probably a merry prankster in another life 
it's very likely. Well, why? So what's your background that made you feel like I was just you a little hippie Ken kid. Ken Casey is my person. I don't know. I was just wanted to be someone who traveled. It was always something that I craved. Was it instilled into you by your parents or something? My parents have, yeah, my mom definitely took us traveling when I was very young. We, we went to Europe when I was like three years old for the first time. So okay. traveling has always seemed easy to me because it was shown to me that yeah. it's something we can do. We know how to do. Uh -huh. That was a huge gift. Right. for sure but even in the last four years I started my business four years ago and I was like okay Molly now you're gonna be a professional you're gonna have a real life you're gonna be doing stuff important you gotta settle down and figure out where you want to live and I was like <laughs> no I can't choose I can't pick a place I really do want to be everywhere I yeah. want to be visiting my brother and his kids in Austin my dad in Colorado my mom's in Oregon my business like community is in California. So I want to be in all those places and have the mobility and still feel like I'm at home. Mm -hmm. And so I decided not to choose a place and just invest in getting the van. A mobile place. Yeah. And it cool. works. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Oregon. Okay. Outside of Portland. Um, and what, what does or did your mom do? My mom's a screenwriter. Okay. So she had an epic career in Hollywood. Not uh, feature films, but she had a niche market. Before reality television existed, mm -hmm. um, networks on television used to buy screenplays and make made-for-TV movies and, you know, miniseries and TV specials. And that was her niche market. So reality television sort of killed her career. But before that, she had an epic life Rad. making movies, yeah. Rad. That's, um, I don't know. Maybe a little envious because like uh, this this has been even l like later on because I'm five years five or six years older than you yeah and like it's been a struggle for me in terms of like appearances and that sort of thing right even though like I waded into it super responsibly and all of that yeah and I'm like uh no I just fucking like this it's some not people a... don't get it but the people yeah. who have seen it and look at van life like so many people follow this shit on Pinterest and mm -hmm. Instagram and wish they could do it or try it or sample it mm -hmm. that those people get it mm -hmm. and then there's people who are like you live in a van down by the river and you're mm -hmm. like if there's a river nearby, yeah, mm -hmm. but no. <laughs> that joke it's, is like... It's old. It's old and tired. <laughs> but the truth is, most of us are like life changers, game changers. Like we're in this to build a dream, to follow our passions, to make something better in this world, not to be hoodlums who live in vans on the streets. Yeah. Like it's, it's definitely got a bad taste for most people mm -hmm. but the truth is so many of the van lifers that i've met that you know that mm -hmm. we are are inspiring like capable professional people yeah making a living making the world work differently so you have something that i want you're doing it dude no 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 no, no. uh I'm not pitying myself. I'm trying to pay you a compliment. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, because I'm, I'm fucking happy as I could. I'm as happy as I've ever been. Yeah. I think I could be happier, uh, but I don't. Always get better. I don't need to be. You yeah. know, I'm happy as shit right now. Uh, but you have something that I want, which is a like a, 
a mobile job. You have to travel for your job. I don't have to. But you make your own arrangements and yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah. I teach so, workshops and classes all over the country. So talk about it. What's it called? What's your deal? Yeah. My business is called Wild Hearts Rise Up. I work with coaches, healers, and a, what I call aspiring thought leaders, people who know they have a message and a mission who are on this earth to make a difference mm -hmm. and who, because they're so heart centered and good at what they do, they suck at marketing. They don't want to talk about themselves. They don't want to promote themselves. They mm -hmm. just want to do what they love to do, which is help people and heal people and change change things. Mm -hmm. um, so I help them do all that crappy stuff, which is figure out what the words are, put the content together, create that course, create that program, create that webinar or that workshop, and develop the backend systems to start building their lists so that they can have more autonomy in their lives. Mm -hmm. Anyone who goes into business for themselves is doing it because they want more freedom. They want to have a lifestyle they enjoy. They want to have time with their kids. They want to have the freedom to do what they want to do when they want to do it. And most of them get into business and realize like there's a shit ton of admin to do. And if you're trying to build a thought leader type business, you want to be an influence where you want people to receive your message. You need to be building a shit ton of content and you need to be doing that in as like easy and streamlined of a way as possible. So I help people put those systems in place. I have a really like blessed, thank God for my upbringing or my parents or their brains or their lineage, whatever. I have the logical systems technology brain and I also have the creative heart-centered woo-woo wordsmithing brain. So I put those two together and help people do all of that shit and really get their message out there. Okay. Well, I mean, I have a couple of questions. Like, okay, go ahead. Like, uh, why, I mean, I hear... It doesn't make sense uh, okay. until, like, people are like, okay, now help me. And I'm like, okay, let's just put this together. No, 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 no. I, after, after having talked to you for 15 minutes earlier, I, I completely believe that you're really good at what you do. But my question, I guess, is, like, I'm sitting on a good question, but I'm going to ask you a worse one first. Okay. Uh, Don't forget the other one. I won't. <laughs> um, uh, why, how, why is it that you can recognize that so many creative people suck at what they need to do to get their message out, but you're still okay with doing that work? You know what I mean? Like, here's the thing. Why do you? you I you just, was. You're into logistics. You love logistics. And shit, I was what? a hypnotherapist when I started my business. Okay. So I was one of the healers, and I realized number one, I'm tired of talking so slow and putting people into trance and doing the preamble mm -hmm. part of the mm -hmm. healing process. And so I was like, why don't I just become a coach? Like, I know so many coaches. Like, I'll just do coaching. Mm -hmm. And then even as I started to find my niche as a coach, every time I would change my focus I would develop a course I would build out a bunch of email sequences I would build in all this technology and back-end support system so that that business could flourish and it never quite felt right it didn't quite take off and then I just got really good at that nerdy marketing back-end mm -hmm. stuff and I come from a writer I come from a long lineage of teachers and preachers and people who know how to use words to um, like invoke change and emotion and yeah. power and so i put those things together and started offering my services and helping my friends other coaches and healers and people with a lot of heart who were not growing their businesses fast enough to support themselves to set that shit up so they could have more freedom 
so they could have more time. Cool. And then that just took off. And the more it took off, the more I realized, oh, this isn't what I want to do. This is what I want to do. And it just kept refocusing until mm-hmm. I'm doing what I'm doing now. Great. And mm-hmm. yeah. So here's the other question. Okay, what's the other question? Well, what do you suck at? I suck at, I don't do anything I suck at because I, I like doing <laughs> things that I rock at. Uh-huh. Um, I suck at golf, but I'm great at driving a golf cart. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. I suck at rock climbing, but I'd like to get better at it. Right, but these are things that you don't, that you suck at because you don't do them. Yeah. Yeah. So well, like I mean, what in my business do I suck at? What's the question? Well, so there's, there's, there's skill. I'm, I'm not there's, good at video yet. There's skill. I do it all the time. There's skill and there's talent, mm-hmm. right? And and talent is something that you don't have to necessarily. If you have the talent, you don't necessarily have to spend a yeah. whole lot of time learning the skill. So I guess. But if you're inherently bad, well, I guess what I'm asking is mm-hmm. because I'm so impressed by what you're good. I'm at. really good at a lot of things. That's the problem uh, with me. Oh, I know, but here's the thing. You, I also dude. have the drive. Like I have more stamina to learn something than most people have. Uh-huh. And that's why I'm in the business I'm in because most people don't want to learn it. They want someone to do it for them. Mm-hmm. And I'm that person right? because I am interested enough in how things work and how things should be said that I will work myself like 80 hours a week sometimes to just nerd out and understand something and nobody needs to not all of us don't need to nerd out on the same things mm-hmm. i'll go nerd out on this and help you with that and you know other things what am i not good at i'm trying to think i'm i mean <laughs> i'm working on who i be in relationships who i be in connection with others mm-hmm. how vulnerable i'm willing to be mm. in partnership and collaboration and yeah. teams like I am such a doer and a go-getter that I work better alone. So figuring out how I can be better in uh, partnerships and collaborations is definitely something I focus on. Mm-hmm. Or I'm focusing on, or I should focus on. That's something I'm not great at. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a vulnerable answer. Okay. So I'm proud of. I'm you. working on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so you live in a. You live in a half-built-out Sprinter. It's mostly built. You're it just doesn't have it. drawers yet. I haven't been in it, so what's what's going on in there? It's dope. It's fucking awesome. Okay. We'll get some B-roll of it on this video if you guys are <laughs> watching the video. But yeah, it's beautiful. I built the I built it all myself. Even mm-hmm. when I had my dad helping me, he wouldn't cut anything or screw anything. Just sort of supervising. Yeah, he would advising. hold things while I'd screw yeah. things. Cool. I don't know if he was doing it because he didn't want to be the one fucking it up or if he really wanted me <laughs> to be able to say I did it all. He was empowering but, you. Right. <laughs> we'll assume that. Um, but yeah, pretty much everything is done. There's a sink, there's a stove, there's just no fridge yet. So I'm living out of a Yeti cooler for the most part. Mm-hmm. And then I have all the space under the counter and all the space under the bed is going to be built in drawers and cabinets and stuff, but that's not done yet. I have 400 watts of solar on the roof, 310 amp hours of battery, and um, three outlets. So I'm using AC and DC. I have a 2000 watt inverter with a 6000 surge, I think. So that can run the Vitamix and tons of overhead storage and bookshelves. I'm a reader and a writer, so I like to have lots of books with me yeah. wherever I go. Vitamix is the is the shit. It is. I've never owned one, but I bought one for a girl once, and then we broke yeah. up, and I was oh, kind of like, man, why'd I do that? <laughs> I should've just got it for me. Yeah, that sucks, but that's what happens. 
Did you hear my fucking rant or diatribe no, about I, this thing? No, I'm just earlier? learning about the Instapot. Holy shit. Uh, Tell me. Do you eat meat? Yeah. Do you want some food? I'm not hungry right now. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm from South Carolina originally. Yeah. And every culture has its own chicken and rice dish. Mm -hmm. But ours is called chicken bog. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's traditionally just like... A bunch of spices and chicken broth and then chicken and rice and sausage. I like definitely want to try it. Hot link sausage. Yeah. Well, I, I made a shit ton of it today and everybody here is vegan. And so nobody's eating any of it. <laughs> There's so many vegan man lifers. <laughs> so, we respect you. It's yeah. okay. But well, we'll and it's easier tomorrow. too, dude. If you were <laughs> if you're like a raw vegan or some shit like that, like you wouldn't need a refrigerator, right? You could just just Keep like, it all on the yeah, shelf. Put yeah, it in some exactly. water. You're so fine. I mean, that's a that's the dream. But yeah. this shit is dank. Um, Yum. But anyway, it's it's another one of those dishes that's like a, it's like an old school slow cooker recipe. Yeah. That takes for all day to make, you know, or whatever. And even when my dad would make it in a pot, it would take him three or four hours to make it. How fast did you do it in the instant I, pot? I did it from dry everything to done in forty minutes. Dude. That's what I'm hearing about the Instapot. It's, it's like, you think it takes 20 minutes to make rice? It could take five minutes. Well, rice to, takes... So, a lot of people report on the time that the pressure cooker setting is on. Yeah. So, you, you set it to pressure cook for 10 minutes or whatever. But it takes it 10 minutes to get the pressure. Okay. And then, depending on the release method that you have, it might be another 15 or 20 minutes. Too. Okay, but still, it so, maximizes the process. Dude, I'm, black beans start to fish, finish is 50 minutes. And normally, if you start with dry black beans, you got to like soak them overnight, rinse them, blah, 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 and then cook them for an hour or two mm -hmm. on the stove. I used to do that all the time. And, and you can do that from start to finish in 50 minutes in here. Damn. And, and the other thing is, it's, it's a wonderful thing for normal people but van life people like it's the closest thing to an oven that i'm ever going to have in a space right. this size somebody was just selling these or uh, in the raffle today there was a stovetop oven yeah. that i want to look at the box i don't know if i need one but at least find out what's up with that because that's a pretty cool thing to have i just bought a teeny tiny rice cooker so i've been making mm -hmm. like rice but that works oh, as this, a this yeah, it's so yeah, small. Yeah, it's like a cute. personal size. That's one of the But it's enough that... for leftovers still. Yeah. yeah. We freak out about like all the cute little shit that we can have in the right. van. It's like my kettle is like <laughs> barely larger than this right. jar. Everything's and... personal size. Yeah. yeah, including the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> um so what's the what's your outlook on on the future in terms of like I mean, it sounds like your business is going super well. It is. Um, but do you have ambitions to like... Grow it bigger? Well, no, not even your business. Like, let that do what it will. And I mean, yeah, blow up. But like, if your business is going well, then you have even more options in terms of like living the traditional American dream or getting the fuck out of Dodge and going do to like another place. you mean like two and a half kids and like buying property? Okay, I have three, yeah, all I have of those three, questions. All I have of those three questions. answers to your question. Yeah, okay. Number one is when I switched from being a hypnotherapist who could serve one person at a time to being the person empowering the coaches and healers to serve their people, mm -hmm. my ripple effect of how much my work can impact the world multiplied. That sounds gratifying. Yeah, so yeah. that is fucking awesome. Uh -huh. And if I'm helping the people who are helping people, then that's just 
exponentially increased my yeah. impact on the world. Number two is, yes, I have a vision of the future. If my ideal world were to occur, my business would grow to the point where it was more and more and more automated. Mm -hmm. I had more of a team to do the work that I'm doing right now. I, I would still be the creator and the face of the company and do speaking gigs and workshops and retreats all over the world. I led my first international retreat in Thailand last February. Oh, cool. A year ago, February, yeah. which was fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. So I would do more of that stuff, more big events and traveling and speaking, mm -hmm. um, and have my team running more of the back end business and the one-on-one yeah. -on -one support for people. Um, and if that were the case and money was just even more abundant, yeah. I would keep the van. That would still be my mode of transport across the country, but I would definitely buy property and have it my own retreat center and off grid, you know, veggie farm and all that stuff. Organic, yeah. organic living, sustainable life, cool. um, solar energy, water on property, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So that's one vision. Um, but my vision for the world is the more of these people that we empower that I support in helping the more we can shift the paradigm. I believe in a world where people like Trump can't hold power anymore because all of us who really care about the planet have put our money where our mouth is and made the change that we believe is possible mm -hmm. and that we can live in harmony with each other and the earth and stop experiencing school shootings and, you know, drought and death and poverty. And I think that that's possible. And I'd like to say that's possible in our lifetimes. I hope so. Wait, did you have a third answer to the question? That was my third answer. Oh, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> um, oh, well, we, I was, I'm super interested in, in the outlook of the van life community because I hear so much variability. Mm -hmm. I think I'm hearing so much variability in the answer to this question. Uh, do you think that, do you think that van life is a solution to anything? Do you think that it... Personally, yes. For you? Globally, no. Okay. Yeah. Because as much as I'd like to think I'm not leaving a carbon footprint, I drive a diesel engine and I drive it a lot. So, like, my life is sustainable in the fact that I'm not like ripping things up i'm definitely buying organic food i'm definitely like promoting things that i believe wholeheartedly are making mm -hmm. a difference and it costs gas to keep my house on like alive mm -hmm. i could park it and not pay gas and my solar would sustain me for sure but the nature of living on wheels is you tend to use those wheels and move around mm -hmm. so sustainability wise i don't know that that's the future I have written a novel in my life it's not published yet but hopefully if you're watching this it will be published eventually and it was the concept that nomads like us when the world falls apart and the apocalypse happens that maybe people who have been living nomadically like this are actually most ready to exist in a world mm -hmm. post grid because we already know how to make community with each other at the drop of a hat yeah. and be in connection with other human beings. So in yeah. that way, I think we are part of building the village that civilization has lost with the rise of technology and mm. industrial revolution. I think that we really are um, bringing back that community vibe 
that has been lost the more that we've discommunicated with each other so growing up in the South, we had this stereotype of New York that mm -hmm. everybody's angry and pissed off and a complete dick to anybody that they run into. My dad's into. from New York, too. And I moved to New York, and I was like, oh, these people aren't bad at all. Depends on who you talk to, yeah. And then I moved... But, well, and, and the way I think of it is people in New York are curt. They're not... They're short because they're efficient. But that's that's no more ugly than people being polite as a result of obligation and mm -hmm. etiquette, which is the, the southern overcorrection of that thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's like it's like in the south, if I'm in, if I'm in the neighborhood and I live there and I wave at you and you're driving by and you don't wave back, I'm like, who the fuck is that? Right. You know, who's encroaching on my space? <laughs> Whereas in New York, it's like, the fuck do you want? Oh, you're cool. You know, it's like, and so, and then I moved out to Southern California and I actually blame this on cars. I think that people specifically in Southern California, but a lot of the United States are sequestered into their home and then their car. And then everybody else they interact with during the day is like a transactional interaction. And it's so interesting to me going to this community meeting at the at the event that we were at today um, and seeing some people saying, I feel isolated by being in the van. But then at the same time, the overwhelming feeling at this event is that... We're all together. Yeah, it's like everybody I walk by is genuinely interested in whatever the fuck I want to say to them. Yeah. You know? And... Um, it might be because they all live alone, but no. You are interesting. No, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, we all are starving for attention, all of us. But so what's the question? Is that that, are we like that for a reason? Or is it because we've isolated ourselves from the civilizations that have been impacting us other ways? I think, I think that our quote-unquote civilization has been isolating us. You know, we're perpetuating this isolation right. sort of unwittingly, you know, and it's it's curious to me that this nomadic lifestyle could potentially be certainly it can be both. It can be a way that we isolate ourselves from civilization to get back to who we really are. It can also be a place that we seclude ourselves so we don't have to cope with reality. And it can also be that it's the one way we can get back out into community. I guess that's what I'm saying is that yeah. like, because I live in, I haven't even measured it, but fucking, what is this, 70, 80, 100 square feet? Because I 60. live in 60 square feet, <laughs> I'm outside all day. Yeah. And so... You're out meeting people and interacting. Unlike somebody who lives in an Orange County gated community... Right. They, I'm interacting with people all the time, you right. know? Like, and getting um, influenced and impacted yeah. by them. Yeah. And I think that's a positive thing. You know? Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's one of the beautiful things. Like, I'll definitely plug Van Life app and the Van Life app gathering. Oh, that's the meeting. That's the gathering that we're at That's right where now. we currently are and that <laughs> yeah. where we have met today. Yeah. Um, because they see that, that that's the thing. Uh -huh. They went out and saw that living Van Life, they were feeling isolated and we needed a better way to connect. And so they created an avenue for us to connect more easily as we're traveling on the road. Like, sure, in San Diego, it's fucking easy to meet van lifers and be in community and culture like that. Because they're everywhere. And if you're in Montana, like, 
you're probably not going to see a van for a while. Like you might see a DHL van or a FedEx van that looks like yours or I forget what kind of van we're in right now, but you probably might see so many vans on the road, but they're probably not inhabited the way mm. that these are out here. So to be able to find your people all over the place, that's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. I was going to build an app before I realized Van Life app was happening, but I'm glad I don't have to now because yeah. they set it up. Yeah. But yeah, you are by nature going to be out in the world interacting with other humans more frequently mm -hmm. because otherwise you're in this tiny little space by yourself. Personally, I'm an ambivert. Like I love being around people and I mm -hmm. love talking to people and I get totally lit up by that. And I also get so much more done and so much more inspired to create when I'm alone. So I don't get bored. I don't get lonely. I like being by myself. I just took myself to Big Sur for two whole days, and you would not believe how much shit I got done. That's great. But not everybody has that um, hobby or side hustle or ambition when they're by themselves. Some people need to be around other people for their mental health. Yeah. And that's why... Well, you probably we, too, do too, but you're so level, good yeah. at it that you can take time off from it. I like too, both. Right? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. really do thrive on yeah. both. Yeah, and luckily I've that. set my life up to have a lot of both. Yeah. Yeah. What are you struggling with right now? What am I struggling with I'm just going to ask you right an open-ended question. <laughs> you... um, what am I struggling with right now? I honestly... I don't want to sound like an asshole. But I'm rocking in so many ways right now. I practice something called access consciousness, which is a set of tools. I was doing energy work. I did six sessions on people today mm -hmm. for free, just giving out energy work sessions. But access consciousness is like law of attraction on steroids. It's like a kind of magic where you can tap into the potency you truly be and like create your life as an orgasmic living experience like nothing else you thought was possible. And... The more I dig into those tools and play with that magic, the better my life gets. So I could scrounge for something that's not working right now, but really my biggest struggle is I'm having too much fun to keep track of my meditation practice or my daily morning pages practice. I write in bed every morning and I write in bed every night. and just keeping that habit in place is my biggest struggle mm -hmm. and even when i'm not doing that it's because i'm out here interacting with good people cheers <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah, having yeah. fun and communicating and connecting i feel like you're so much more um like focused than i am you know i i have the last problem that you were talking about to the nth degree, it's like, There's, for me, if there's It's hard to have a rhythm in a if van. If there are people... No, and this is, has nothing to do with the van. Right. Like, this is... This <laughs> it's is good to recognize that. This is me at my <laughs> core. Is it like, what I excel at is fucking hanging out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it doesn't matter if I'm drinking, if it's 8 o'clock in the morning, and I have an opportunity to hang out with somebody that inspires and entertains me then I'm going to do fucking nothing else. You know what I mean? Like right. I want to hang out with my dog and I want to hang out with cool people. And like, that is, that's the oh. pinnacle for me. And so in terms of like getting things done or whatever, that's like, that's like my, that's my, my trouble is like, 
And my, immediately my brain is like, how can we make that work for you? <laughs> how can we make that be what your livelihood is about? Because there's a niche market for anything. Yeah. Like, if that's what you're good at, be the guy who throws the party. Sounds like a lot of work, man. Well, <laughs> be the guy who who hires the guys who yeah, throws yeah, partying. Yeah. yeah. When I was younger and cuter, I should have been a club promoter or something like that. I think what you're doing is really important, though. I mean, I said that to you earlier. Being an advocate for companies and nonprofits who are making a difference in the world is one of the best things you could be doing. Yeah, I'm proud of the work that I do, but a lot of times I get caught up in like feeling sad that everything isn't fixed. Like we were saying earlier when we were talking, is like you were saying that like I just don't even want to engage with the news because I have a vision of positivity and the way that the world could be. Well, for those of you listening who weren't part of that conversation earlier, that I believe our energetic like alignment and inner compass has as much of an impact as our actions do most of the time. Certainly. So if you can find a place of good feeling and positive intention for the future, that that is helping. If that's all you can muster, then that is helping. And for me, if I pay attention to all of the news and all of the bullshit that's going on all down. of the time, my alignment and my energetic like boost of energy and good feeling intention for the future drops. Mm-hmm. And that is, in my opinion, not my way of contributing to the future. Right. So... For me, it doesn't look like watching the news. It looks like believing in the best possible outcome and putting my money where my mouth is. Like I said, I support causes I believe in. I buy groceries from businesses that I know have good intentions. And I put my money where my mouth is. I vote with my dollars because that's one of the biggest energetic exchanges we have in this universe. I mean, in this reality right here on Earth. So that's how I get by. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking hard. If you're paying attention to the news, if you're watching all the bullshit that's going on in politics, it's bound to get you down. And it's harder to believe in a future that's bright and sunshiny. Yeah. But we're going to get through this. And if we don't get through this, the planet will get through this eventually. So that's another <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's, a, that gets it's a zero-sum game. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> we made ethics up. Right. You know, like, we invented this shit. Yeah, dude. When a, t- when a tiger kills a... Uh, fucking bunny there's no exchange of morals or ethics or anything you know (laughs) and when the sun explodes and we are all if we last that long we're all extinct there's not like a negative like a negative ethical impact on net zero for sure yeah Yeah. it'll be fine Yeah. yeah so what is reality anyway that's what it comes back to and if if reality is just energy and perception then our energy and perception is the only thing that really matters so what do you want to do with that true and that's why i try to keep the high flying disc good feeling vibes up it's actually not fake you can't actually live an orgasmic living experience all of the time and that can be your reality but most people won't choose it because it's not comfortable they're used to something different it's edgy shit yeah it's out on the edge of like yeah. yeah. We're having some deep and meaningful conversations Wait. in this minivan right now. <laughs> hey, it's not mini, it's mid-size. <laughs> Minivans are vans too, motherfuckers. 
I'm any fans of the first mid-size. I like how you said that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait. Oh, I had I had a thing to say before this got weird. <laughs> um, oh, well, how about this though? It's like you're you're talking about being on the precipice or teetering on the edge of nothingness, right? And Everything and nothing are the same, yeah. right? Because they're both extremes, and neither of them exists. Non-duality, yeah. Right. Um. And, to, just to bring it back way more down to earth in terms of, like, the whole, like, <clears throat> positivity and intentions versus, um, like, pragmatism and politics. It's like, where do you find the balance between caring about current events, but getting in the weeds or staying out of the weeds enough to not be bogged down and like I stressed err, out. It sounds shitty to say it out loud, but I err on the side of ignorance. I would rather not know the current events mm -hmm. to keep the high flying disc mm -hmm. because of what I know energetically is possible through intention mm -hmm. and what I know I can't do about most of those current events. Right. So I used to can canvas door to door for environmental politics. Mm -hmm. I believe that there are ways we can change the system from within and I will fund the people I believe are capable of that. And then I will not pay attention to what they're doing <laughs> because my energy is best spent focusing on what lights me up. Yeah. And in my opinion, what lights me up is my way of changing the future. Yeah. And that I am steadfastly focused on that. Good. Yeah. And I'll fucking meditate. I'll fucking wake up and I'll write my thoughts out of my head into a journal to get them out of my brain so I can focus on just good energy. Whatever the fuck I have to do to create the vibe that I know will change the world. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm going to do. And I will support people who are creating more people like that. That's what I do every day. Cool. I'm. I envy your aim. I'm passionate about it. it. You can have it too. But it, well, it seems so. I'm just so. I'm just so scattered, and scattered doesn't have to be forever. It could be the old way that it used to be. And what if it could be easy? What if we could change, on a dime, at the drop of a hat, just by choice? Well, I mean, I think that. I, I I think that um, theoretically and um, ethically, I agree with what you're saying, but I'm also scared that if you're not paying attention, it'll all fall apart. If if you're not paying attention, you won't know which direction to pivot. Mm. You know what I mean? Because like. If we were all just happy, that would be cool. But what does that mean? If we were all happy and actively supporting things we knew were moving in the right direction, then that would really help, I think. Yeah. I think when the emotion gets the best of us and it sucks us into a hole, we're useless. 
but that's the emotion is the tool that um that a lot of people use whether they're whether I agree with their end game or not emotion is the tool that a lot of people use to get people to think that this is the right tack to take right mm-hmm. and at the same time emotion is super useful right oh totally yeah if we let it I mean it can get the better of us really easily though well, what does that mean I mean like all that propaganda that like Trump's people are hooked on and caught up on anyone mm-hmm. who watches Fox News is like addicted to the emotional roller coaster that that program mm-hmm. puts on for you. Well, and all the media, even the people that we half agree with or maybe half agree with or whatever, it's still all sensational, it's emotional, sensational, exactly. Messaging. So yeah. as long as we're in emotion and cessation, we're basically distracting ourselves from truth, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And if we could just get down to like brass tacks, what's real, what's true for me. What do I know in my gut is is right and move from that place? We would live in a much different world if people were moving from knowing mm-hmm. rather than from emotional roller coastering. What do you do when you take a day off? What I do... <laughs> when I take a day off, I write like a motherfucker. I so make, you don't take a day I off. I make art. <laughs> I do yoga. I go for walks. I meditate. I do a lot more self-care on a day off, but okay. it still includes a lot of writing and a lot of art. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Like, I just took two days off in Big Sur, and I outlined my next book. I finished the Oracle deck, the Oracle deck book for an Oracle deck I've been working on for a year and a half. I finished like eight sales emails for a program I'm launching that I just launched last week and I wrote two emails for another client and I was like, oh my God, that was the best day off ever. Molly. I did this all sitting on a cliff and Big Sur in my van, this like is, looking out over the This is an intervention. Yeah, no. And that was not a day off. You cannot stop me. <laughs> I can't be stopped. <laughs> Today was a day off and I worked, I mean, I did six, six energy work sessions on people and I worked. And when vol- I got you, you were volunteering you at the just bar got for done an hour. working the bar. That was a day off. I was playing all day. Oh man, I am fun. such a piece of shit. No, you're not. <laughs> I'm I'm insanely aggressive with I, my life. I know. That's yeah. cool. But it's fun. That's cool. Where are you gonna go when you leave Nukuyama? Tomorrow or the next you're gonna day. Stay here. Shh, don't tell anyone. And by the time I'm this gonna gets tra- out, I'm you will have done it or I'm you packing have been up. evicted. Yeah, we'll we'll let you know later. But I'm gonna pretend to pack up and then maybe stay here another night. But I'm going to LA. I'm flying to Vancouver, BC on Thursday. I'm gonna be in an access consciousness class there called I Am Beauty with Cassie Summers and Sarah Grandinetti, who are access consciousness facilitators. Then I'll come back to LA and get the van drive up to San Jose for another transformational leadership type workshop that I'm attending, not leading. Then I'll come back to Portland, fly to Florida, take the transatlantic cruise writing retreat with my mom to London. We're going to see seven plays, no, 11 plays in seven days in London. And then I'll come back to Oregon and then go to Idaho and Colorado. Sounds relaxing. A lot of fun things planned. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> Good. Well, um... Can I tell people where to find me? 
No plugs on this podcast. Of course, dude. <laughs> All the links will be in the description. <laughs> no, they won't. Yeah, they will. <laughs> if but, he gets around to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see how I feel when it comes time. Yeah, yeah. Um, Where can people find you? Yeah, my website is wildheartsriseupwith.com. Uh, Hearts has an S, so wildheartsriseup.com. If you happen to be a warrior goddess entrepreneur or a thought leader of any kind, you can go to wildheartsriseup.com slash quiz and check out my quiz that I've built, which I'm really proud of. I also help people make those kind of lead magnets and uh, quizzes like that. So check it out. See if you like it. Or my podcast is called Tactical Magic. It's on iTunes and all those other apps. And on Instagram, I'm wild underscore one O-N-E underscore rising. Right on. Yeah. Are you sure you don't want any chicken bog? I want to try it. I think you, you should give me a bite of it. Yeah, is yeah, it spicy yeah. enough? Uh, it's, it's a little spicy. Okay, I want a bite. Okay. Are we done recording? Oh, yeah, I think so. Thanks for watching. <laughs> Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, that was episode five of From the Van. If you made it this long, I really appreciate you listening. It was great talking to Molly. Um, such a pleasure to meet her. Visit her at wildheartsriseup.com. Um, you can come and visit us at fromthevan.com. And uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll have another one for you next week.